call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 60 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host Donica Tiernan watched the 2003 comp film Matchstick Man. As always, this podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend or Podcast. Drop us a line there with any feedback or recommendations. Peace. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea it lingered there to touch okay so this is episode 60 of call it friendo we took a week off due to a series of events but we're back we're back baby for number 60 we're going to be talking about ridley scott's finest film matchstick men so I think no one can argue with that, with those facts. The greatest uh, Ridley Scott film of all time, Matchstick Man. It's definitely a film he made for sure, but he's made many films. He certainly when has. Put, when you put it like that. So too many? Could be. I mean, I don't this think year? so. I don't think no? so. But we'll, we'll, we'll look back around to talk about Mr. Ridley Scott, who you look a bit like a young Ridley Scott, but we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that I've later. Been told that. Yeah. Uh, before that, as always, let's talk a little bit about what we've been watching this week or two weeks. In fact, you go first. Oh, well, I've got a fucking metric ton to tell you about, and it's all. Oh, TV. dear God. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, let's just breeze through it. All right. Have okay. you watched any of um? Have you watched any of the Fargo TV show? I watched the first season. I liked it. I thought it was very good. I started season two and for some reason just gave up. It's one of those things I've been meaning to get back to and I hopefully will at some point. I remember hearing about the first one approaching with absolute disdain going, yeah. what the actual fuck? And then when it arrived, just realizing, oh my God, that it was such a good conception. And now fair enough, the Coen brothers have said, and they're kind of right, that at this point it's a bit formally divorced from their movie. But I think the notion that let's just take that kind of grisly feeling of Fargo in the snow and the silly accent and just do that. <laughs> that's because that's what it is. And it's 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 really good for it. Like now, OK, the second one, I believe, Dave's, um, like the first one is very much like. The, yeah, like the this feels like a kind of retelling. Martin Freeman's got a similar to the kind of the, the William H. Jerry, Macy yeah, vibe. Jerry Lundgaard. Mm. And then uh, Billy Bob Thornton. What's his character called? Malvo? Lauren Malvo I, or something? I can't remember. They have a moment at yeah. the end of it, though, where there's a wolf outside Colin Hanks's window, and it's very much like the departed. You know, the, the, <laughs> the rat symbolizes <laughs> obviousness. Yeah. But um, because earlier on, I, actually, yeah, the first season is great. I want you to go back and watch it. There's that great scene where Colin Hanks pulls him over, and Billy Bob Thornton just says, nah, just nah, you don't want to do this. And Colin Hanks's cop just gets right back in the car. Um, but each series has had kind of a, a cipher for the Francis McDormand character mm. uh, from the first one. And then the newest one uh, that is played by none other Chris than... Chris Rock. No, no, no. Sorry. I, I I watched season three. I haven't watched season four. It's, oh, I, there is. Yeah. I, I assumed you were talking uh, about the most. So you watched the one with Hugh McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And Carrie Coon in the oh, Francis yeah. McDormand role. Right. Uh, and it's a uh, oh, it's just fantastic. I ate it up in about two days. I it's just there's so much fucking fun. These shows. And now it gets as with the first two seasons, there's an odd supernatural element. That's just I, I know what they're doing. They're doing the same thing the Coen brothers did in The Man Who Wasn't There when you see the UFO. But it's just it's just a bit odd for me, to be honest. Like, what the, was the what was the supernatural element in the first one? Was there? Because um, pre- it's been a lot. I haven't watched it since it came out. The wolf is is okay, okay. kind of a, a, like like it's so it's almost implied Billy Bob Thornton is nearly a, a demonic presence. Yeah, you know he he's just pure and like in, pure awesome, pure awesome. Yeah, and the supernatural mm. is kind of hinted. Then near the end of the second season, there's a UFO, uh, and near the end of this season, there's a kind of a sort of an afterlife sequence. That's okay, actually pretty cool. But at that point, it's just doing its own thing. Then it almost becomes a superhero movie. Uh, David Thewlis is in it as um, what's his name? V or VM Varga, the God of War. Is that the name? Oh no, that's from (laughs) Wonder Woman. (laughs) That's Wonder Woman character, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, 
I the general story is the Ewan McGregor plays twins. They have had a beef going back years. He's got his new hot young girlfriend and they conspire to rob the rich brother, the, the more successful brother. In the meantime, his business gets invaded by the devil who's played by David Thewlis. Wait, so Kuma. so he's playing both twins in this? Yes, yes, he is very well. Everyone's Nicolas great. Cage job. Exactly. Nice. Do you know what's very do you know what's very funny? Like in this is what like I I imagine some actors like half of the draw, no, maybe 25% of the draw towards doing this show is getting to do the silly accent. Cause they're all like they all lean into it so much, you know, just the yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, I had fucking great fun with that. But once again, doing things the way I do it. I'm not going to watch uh, the Chris Rock season on, for another three years. So there you Fair go. Enough. Mm-hmm. What Take about you? Time. Well, I, uh, I haven't talked about it for a while. I've still been working my way through the wire. I finished season three. I finished season four. I've started season five. I'm, I'm a couple nice. of episodes in season five. Today, I watched the 2014 reunion that they did. Oh, which I didn't was... even hear anything about that. This is a, it's one of the featurettes on the Blu-ray, which I obviously purchased the Blu-ray, obviously. Yes, but of yeah, it's it is on there. Uh, it was organized by New York, I think it's Paley Fest is what it's called, and it's a panel with Alan Seppenwall running it, the uh, critic. And there's David Simon, Nina Noble, the producer, and then like a bunch of the cast just talking about their memories of the show in a very mm. actor manner and just basically going like, thank you so much, David Simon. You changed our lives. We love you so much. But uh, yeah, so there's some fun little anecdotes and bits and pieces. Um, mm. So yeah, I've just been consuming everything wire-based. I also got a hold of the audiobook and written book uh, about the wire that came out a few years ago called All the Pieces Matter. The pieces by, matter. Yeah, by yeah. Jonathan Abrams. I haven't... Haven't got around to that one yet, but as I say, I've gone full wire. wire. So season four, I think what really struck me this time, I, I'd always really thought season four was the best season. And I that's will... That's the general consensus. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's for good reason because it is, I would say. I think it's the most mm. important. I think what it shows about the school system really kind of highlights the roots of all the problems that exist throughout the rest of the seasons and all the yeah. kind of social ills of the city of Baltimore and it's on a wider level powerful. of the U.S. Yeah, and uh, it's also incredibly depressing. It's like it has a kind of yes. Empire Strikes Back quality of just a series of down endings, as Kevin Smith <laughs> said of that film. Like, uh, yeah, it, it's incredibly mm. depressing, but it's also extremely rewarding. But leading yeah. into season five, the one thing I will say is that Season five feels like already, I feel like I know season five really well, and it is mm. probably the one I like the least, which again is also quite a popular opinion, but I'm, I'm already not really looking forward to even finishing off season five at this mm. point. I feel like season four is such a high point that you know you're just playing out the rest of the string at this point. I feel the like there are some very cool there are some standout scenes in season five that I can think of. Um, well, even well, the uh, first scene, how it opens up is the uh, photocopier, true false, yeah, <laughs> which is a real thing. That's yeah. yeah, yeah that's photocopier the book. lie detector it, thing. Yeah. It just also has like, you know, in Marlowe Stanfield, I think he's just one of the coolest characters the show produced. I think he's just fucking so cool. Um, which, cool. as um, a, He's also like one of the most evil people imaginable. Yeah, but very cool, don't you think? <laughs> yes, he carries himself no, well. Just me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't I say he was. Yeah, okay, he's cool, but he's also extremely scary. Yeah, very, very scary. That well, and it's got a, a great ending for that character when he kind of gets off and he gets to go into the spoilers st- for season. <laughs> spoilers oh, yeah, for the yeah. wire. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know when um, he's in that suit and tie party. Yeah, with yeah, his yeah. Lawyer, just walks across the street and beats up Takes a guy who's off, on a corner. And then he's, yeah. he just, he's just standing around on the street, breathing the air, going like, my name, my name's still my name. My name is still my name, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I, the, I, the last time I was rewatching The Wire, I actually didn't follow through with season five. I just uh, stopped it at season four. For that reason, well, because you felt it was going to be a bit of a letdown. No. 
not quite that because the end of season four is a real gut punch. Um, I remember that feeling. It, it was the same reason that the last time I was uh, like, because I've never actually finished Game of Thrones. But the last uh, time I like, because I, I reread the books and then I wa- was watching the uh, series again, and I couldn't actually get past the the Red Wedding. It's just it was just too fucking much. Um, and uh, and there's you know so much other good shit to watch. But I remember that about the last time I rewatched um, The Wire season four. It's just that part with Carver walking away from that kid. Yeah, yeah, the Randy. Is. Mm. Jesus Christ, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. you gonna look out for me? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rough going, man. Um, it, I've been watching some other things. I've been yeah, nerding out like a motherfucker because I heard. Um, heard Henry Cavill being interviewed in the run-up for the new season of The Witcher. Now, I had watched the first season of The Witcher. I've played a good bit of The Witcher, The Wild Hunt. You've played that two or three times, I think, by now. <laughs> yeah, at um, least two, two in a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've read, the, I've read the first book of short stories. I mean, I, I really enjoy the world and the lore and everything like that. But then I was listening to Henry Cavill, and I was just like, it just made me feel so happy because that guy Cavill's is a bigger nerd. Yeah, he is a bigger nerd than you've ever met in your life. <laughs> yes. It's just him riffing about fantasy books in all the promo. And I he's was like, just a nerd like, that goes to the gym all the exactly. time. Exactly, he's built like a brick shit house. And I was like, it gives me so much hope. So I was like, because <laughs> at the same time, I've been rereading Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time books and listening to The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss as an audiobook, which I thoroughly recommend. It's a really good audiobook transfer. But anyway, I was like, oh man, fuck this. Yeah, let's fucking dive into my nerd past again. So I've been rewatching season one and I've been enjoying it so much because one thing I might not have picked up on, maybe because I hadn't played the game or read any of the read any of the books when I watched it the first time around, is that show is totally in on the joke. It's really having fun with how like silly everything almost it's almost on like a as as a star trek level because people think of star trek as po-faced without realizing that it was adults made it i mean they know how daffy some of the shit is and it's the same in the witcher like the fourth episode culminates around a hedgehog knight coming to court and trying to claim the hand (laughs) of a princess it's great fun like i'm really enjoying that i've only seen the first episode of season one and i found it quite amateurish it just felt really really low budget uh, I don't really. Yeah, I, oh, think I, feel I, I, I must have screen. played Witcher three by the time I got around to it. I don't. It just felt something. Just felt really off about it. Mm. Like uh, just the even the way it's shot, the way it looks, it just doesn't look very good to me. Um, the most of the criticism I've seen has been leveled at season two, which just came out of mm. book readers saying that it's not faithful to the books. Ah, that kind of I, shit I haven't read any so of the much. books, so I have no idea. My only exposure is I've played Witcher 3, like you said, a couple of times. I played some of Witcher 2. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about watching the TV series, but I just feel like it's, I don't know. I don't feel, I'm not a huge fantasy fan in TV. So yeah, from everything that like... I've seen about it, it seems a bit meh. And there's a million things. <laughs> I could just rewatch The Wire again. This is it. Have you seen Game of Thrones? Yeah, I've watched all of Game of Thrones. I've been severely disappointed by that. Ah, right. Like like everyone else. Well, I never... You see, I watched... This will sound totally hipster, but I mean, it just it is what it is. I was a huge fan of the books, and I still am. I really, really love those books. And I thought up until they ran out of the books, the show actually did a pretty decent job. No, yeah, I, I never read the books. I thought, I, I again, I'll go with what the, the typical, like what mm. the most popular point of view is. The first four seasons of Game of Thrones are great. And then when mm. they ran out of books, it starts getting ropey. And then by yes. the end, when D and D, what they call Vice and Benioff, when they yeah. were offered that Star Wars gig or whatever, and they were trying to wor- wind down the show in fewer episodes than they were even offered, it just mm. it shit the bed. Unfortunately, was it fewer episodes than they were offered? Yeah, HBO wanted to extend it out for one more season beyond what they did. Because you see, I've never actually i've I've never watched it. I have read. <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't. I have read what happens. And it's like it's yeah, I suppose the issue that it cropped up with me is is like there's one of the books, A Feast for the Crows, that's basically just a thousand pages of the aftermath of a war and Mm. fuck all happens. They're just wandering around this broken land. And like, you know, it's not a fan favorite, but I really I really love it for that reason, because it's just like it's just putting gravity into fantasy, which fair enough, most of the fantasy that I like has nothing to do with it. It's just completely otherworldly. But Mm. anyway, yeah, I never got around to doing that. But The Witcher, it's just a different sort of wheelhouse. I quite like it. The Witcher is not trying to 
you know, like Game of Thrones isn't really a fantasy show. It's a political, sh- historical show yeah. with dragons in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Normally, um, when I see a dragon in anything, it's I, the alarm bells start ringing. But you're right. Game of Thrones has it's all the politics and those elements are what I like. It's, you know, it's another it's nice- thing where you're Aiden Gillen playing a politician. <laughs> it's the only HBO shows I'll watch. Some nice, crispy, fresh opinions on Game of Thrones there, <laughs> Absolutely. folks. Don't uh, you've heard I... about this Game of Thrones. <laughs> God, have you seen the trailer for the House of the Dragon? It does not look good. I I'm watched a little bit of it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe it will be the kind of better call Saul of the Maybe. fire and whatever the fuck it's called. Stone of ice and fiery winds, sea stones, he won, wars, <laughs> whatever. All right, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure. I appreciate your tone, but okay. Uh, sorry, I'm sure I, um, the books are good. The books are great. The books are really great. But they'll never I have be some. Bo- I have some books here, and I'm using them as like a stand for my laptop. That's nice. So, what books are yeah. they? I don't know. They're under my laptop. I'm not going to lift right. my laptop to find out. No, they're just, fuck they're, that. They're thick and big. That's all I can tell you. Thick and big. <laughs> Leave Those it. are two Leave adjectives. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, so I did a rewatch on. I can't. J- on Adam Curtis's can't get you out of my head. Oh my God, now, I don't know why, but some for some reason, his breed of like montage and paranoia and apocalypse. You love Adam Curtis. And and music. I mean, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Yeah. He's maybe my favorite filmmaker. You of all people, dude. I mean, you should really get along to it because <laughs> how long is this? He... How long is this documentary? It is so six episodes, one and a quarter oh, hour yeah, each. See, multiple episodes. Okay. I'm going to say but the like, same thing that I said last time you mentioned this. It's about Kylie Minogue, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you should start somewhere else. Start with like hyper normalization, maybe. But the way he uses music is okay. incredible. There's this montage at the end of uh, episode four of the of uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head using. Do you know the song? It's a brilliant <laughs> song by a band called Johnny Boy. Um, no, you are uh, you are uh, you are the people who, you are the generation who bought too many shoes and you get what you deserve. Please sing it. Cause I don't know. It. No, it's I can't. It's it sounds okay. very like "Be My Baby." It's it's almost like a, with a Manic Street Preacher's lyrical sensibility, but doing jangly pop is very cool. But they do it with a montage of people building dolls in a Chinese factory. It's just amazing little stuff like that that he's just so good at. But like I don't know why, for some reason, these are like my comfort zone. I really, really love watching them. Um, and I, I, w- I started watching episode one of this when I was ironing one day during the week. I ended up watching the whole thing by the end of the day, for real. Like I, I just could not get. I can't get enough of this stuff. People think it's very nihilistic, but to ever hear him interest, like because it, it does seem that way. He often gives off an apocalyptic point of view, but he's just interested in why the world is weird. You know what I mean? He's just interested like in how things have worked out to this strange area, you know? Um, I, really, really inter- I mean, it out. does sound interesting enough to me, but it doesn't, it doesn't grab my attention as much as Baltimore drug dealers and the police or, and stuff. Or Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, or yeah, it's like, you know, do it. Can, I, can, can I control it? Can I control what the people are doing? <laughs> can I make them kill got- people? I've got one more thing I've been watching. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, okay. no, that was it. The last thing I've been watching actually has like a, there's a whole section of it dedicated to this story in one of the episodes in Can't Get You Out of My Head. Dope Sick, the um, story of the uh, Stackler people who came up with the drug Oxycontin, same Ooh. company that came up with Valium and then Oxycontin in the in the 1990s. It's, a re- it's really sort of interesting. It's done, so it's based on a nonfiction book and it's done in a documentary style almost in that it's jumping around between parties, showing it from different points of view um, and jumping back and forth in time, but pure narrative. What so, is the like, time period for this? When was Oxycontin invented? Uh, from, mid a- from mid-80s to 2000s. It was released okay. in the mid-90s. They started developing it in the late 80s. And it's particularly focusing in on how it affected like um, disenfranchised mining communities in Appalachia. Mm. Um, yeah, it fucked and- them up. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a, a horror story, like what happened. And it, it like like it's interesting because it's the sort of thing if they were doing it in a documentary, there's a certain thing about the drug that they would just uh, show you in a graphic and you get it better. But here they just have to have people repeat the information. And the Wait, information so this is, is a this is like a fictionalized like 
drama series yes. it's not a document ah okay yes 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 and um it's got uh like so the 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 thing with oxycontin would have been um it was more potent more powerful than um than morphine or anything but it had slow it had slow release so nice. it it didn't give you the euphoria but it got you even more so addicted and it like got into you way more um, and it made you give you a sort of a feeling of vapid safety almost and it like so people needed it for pain meds first of all from mm-hmm. working the mines and then needed it to forget that they had no jobs afterwards it completely destroyed huge parts of the US mm. but then like parts of it are really really cool I mean you've who's got, in the like, show you've got great star power with Michael Keaton who's just brilliant. oh wow like He's such a brilliant actor. Really, really. He just, everything he's in lights it up. Um, your lady uh, Kate, from Booksmart, Caitlin Deaver, is that her name? Kathleen, Kate, Caitlin Deaver, I think. Is, is, she, is she one of the, is she the one who's one not, the, the one that's not Jonah Hill's sister? Exactly. Is Beanie Fieldstein Jonah Hill's yeah, sister? Yeah, that's a, no, that's a real surname. I think it's Feldstein. Okay. And Pete Sarsgaard is in it. Um, but then you've, but then you've got like Michael Stuhlberg p- nice. playing the in- the inventor of the drug, and it's <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny the way they do his scenes because was oh, he like hamming it up or something? Totally, but even the way the scenes are, <laughs> even the way the scenes are constructed, and I, there's parts of it. Stuhlberg's great. He's I'd say he's one of my favorite actors. There's parts of it that are there just to give information. Like somebody will come to him and say, "But look, you know this is." Um, more powerful than morphine and he he has some line but basically what he says is like uh, i know but i'm the bad guy you know that <laughs> don't you i am the ba- it's worth you that laugh was, that's eye- quite good no i'm laughing because that sounded the 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 i know sounded like michael stuhlbark that was great oh i know so f- <laughs> but you ha- I, because i am the bad guy it's very you could very do a good fun. michael stillbark that's impressive thank you i mean I, I would only like to do him in this show <laughs> i love him generally as well but his, his scenes are it's like it's one after the other after the other like i told you this before i love obvious characters in show and he's <laughs> it's just different people from his company will just go come in and go um you know, uh, this will like, like they might say this will completely cripple Appalachia and ruin america and he'll just about say yes that's <laughs> how come it's how just, come i've never heard about this what's it called dope it's, ju- it's just got it just got released dope sick um, where is it like i mean uh, which service disney did you plus. pay money for okay disney plus disney plus uh, it yeah, seems like a good disney property again well it's hulu you see so it uh, disney owns hulu but it is good it is where it is genuinely worth a watch because it's an interesting thing that happened at the end of the day is this just like a limited series i can't imagine they're yeah. going multiple years of this yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they'll have to invent the future of Appalachia <laughs> after three seasons. <laughs> See where they go if it ends up in the space George or, or something. The George or, or Martin of Appalachia will yeah. say, "Sorry, I didn't like I've, the I've ending of, of Appalachia." <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what I've been on. Apart from that, of course, somewhere in the middle, I watched Matchstick Man. Yes, I watched Matchstick Man too. It was quite forgettable. I'm sorry to say. I, I think the most what what we should focus on here is for me. I was rewatching it, but this was your first time seeing it, and because yes. it's a big plot reveal type of film, we both had very different viewings. I imagine. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, maybe perhaps. the first thing, perhaps or not. Okay, yeah. So. All right. So as always, it's spoilers right from the start. The whole point of Matchstick Man is that. The majority of the plot is a con being pulled well, by a, Sam Rockwell's character. And it's a con he, movie, yeah. Yeah, the it's morally, a con movie where the, the 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 whole film basically is a con. It's the morally ponderous cousin of the the heist movie, I would say. This kind of mm. thing, you're, you're always like because I think it is because the victims of the cons tend to be regular Joes a lot of the time, you know. Um, do you, are you following me? Like it's like like for example in so as know. opposed to the the as opposed to doing a con on a con man, you mean? Normally yeah. the marks are not con men. Yes, exactly. Well, in this no, in the it, in this the the marks are generally ordinary people the, um, that they're taking advantage of. In this, they're and that's taking, kind of the, how much are they taking people for? Because they have like the scheme that they do throughout is related to. It's 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 like a boiler room phone phone scam where they call mm. up and then people agree to buy. Is it like a do they buy like a swimming pool or something? What's the thing that they buy? Oh, I can't remember. Um, no, I can't remember. It's some vacuous product. Um, yeah, I'll check because I have it right here. They no. overpriced water filtration systems. 
So it's these they're water water filtration systems, and then they go back as like F, fake FBI agents and say, "Oh, you've mm. been part of a sting. No, you've 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 been done. You've been you've been ripped off. You've been conned. But we're running a sting operation on these guys, and we just need access to your bank accounts in order to to catch them. And that's when they take like more money. Yeah. So it probably I is mean, like a decent amount of money. It's like thousands that they're taking. Yeah, person. they're doing all right. They're tripping away. Uh, what are some heist movies, heist movies, con movies that you enjoy other than this? Uh, I would say number one for me, if I had to give a top three, I would go The Sting, number one, just because I think mm. it's, you know, it's Great. one of the greats. Got your mm-hmm. Redford and Newman. It's a lot of fun, the music and everything. The other two, I would go David Mamet ones. I'm a big fan of House of Games. House of Games is excellent. That's the on classic, my top three as well, I'd yeah. say. And then I would probably go heist for number three. So it's funny that you say heist and con and can gain those confused or they're so mm. close to each other. Cause yeah, I like the film heist as well. The uh, David Mamet film also starring Sam Rockwell. Indeed it is. Sammy yeah. rocks. What about God, you? How- House of games is great though. Isn't it? I love House that of games film. is a classic. Yeah. I've seen it uh, multiple times. Yeah. I've seen that a fair few times as well. I, <laughs> I love at the end where he calls her a fucking bitch and just like, you know, <laughs> Oh, it's fantastic. That part. Is, well, after, after she shoots him and he's like, yeah, he's yeah, pretty, yeah. Thank you. Loses, May lo- I have another? Loses all face. Yeah. It's very good. Uh, I would say, I would say my number one would probably be paper moon. Have you ever seen Peter Bogdan? Yeah. Film, yeah. Moon? Yeah. With uh, Ryan O'Neill and, and his daughter mm-hmm. Tatum. Yeah, that's good. I, I liked it. Certainly. I know it is there. It's like their door-to-door con scheming thing, but for yeah. some reason, it doesn't register as much as a con. Has, I guess that has more in common with Matchstick Man than with a lot of. Well, other there you go. Films. This is, but this is what an awful lot of con movies would do. It's just they, they, they pun, they, they wander around in the moral ambiguity mm-hmm. of the whole. Well, it's not morally ambiguous. It's wrong, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, that's that's uh, not for us to judge. Well, there you go. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, that's the meat of a lot of con movies I would find. Not The Sting. The Sting is your epic con movie. I love The yeah, Sting. I didn't I didn't put it down in my top three now because I haven't, I haven't seen it in years, but I used to watch it quite a lot. Mm. Uh, I have Catch Me If You Can up there, which I like I never lot. liked that. I really? thought it was just absolutely fine, just adequate. But it was, for some reason, it just, it's a film that I never took to very much. I've heard a lot recently that the uh, the story is uh, a load of old balls. Uh, yeah, what's the guy's name? Too. Frank Frank Abagnale Jr. Frank Abagnale Jr. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've heard that a lot of that stuff. But then again, he's a con man, so mm-hmm. he should be able there you to. Go. I think the real con is selling gang Steven Spielberg to make a film about your life, which is all nonsense. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, well done. The yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I think you succeed. You proved that you are a successful con man either way. If it's true or not, it doesn't really matter. I have House of Games down here as well. And kind of as a wild card, I've thrown in Parasite. Do you think Parasite qualifies as a con movie? Still haven't seen it. Really? You've not seen yeah, Parasite? Yeah, I put it out for a toss at some point and lost. I know it's one of those things there. I don't know what's paying me off watching it. I know I'm going to love it. I mean, You're at least At least enjoy it. Well, there's that, certainly. I don't know if, genuinely, I don't know if there is a thing because it's foreign language where I am just kind of going like, yeah, I'll do it eventually. Mm, could be. It just doesn't. I was lucky I saw it early on when it was going on. Yeah. Because the, amu- the amount of critical acclaim and everybody fucking loving it there was, I, w- I know I would have just said, you know what, fuck that. I'm not watching it. <laughs> if it was called uh, something else... <laughs> It might be the title. Every time I hear, it, I'm like, I, I know it's not like a sci-fi thing about like you know a monster insect, but yeah, I still every time I hear a parasite, that's what I think it is, and I'm kind of like, oh god. It'd be better if it was called like a, a, a Fast and the Furious number ten. <laughs> yeah, I, I would do yeah. that. Or yeah, if they yeah, called yeah. it like that would Iron, be a con. They should have called it Iron Man or something. Yeah, yeah, Iron Man four. Yeah. Now that I, now that Robert Downey Jr. is out, why aren't people just you know, calling films Iron Man Four. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know take or your, what about uh, why not call it Iron Man Thor? Oh, that is that's even <laughs> that's better. That's a good name for the fourth film. Jo- Joshua Oppenheimer's next uh, three-hour yeah. documentary about Indonesian massacres. <laughs> yes. Iron exactly. Man Thor. That'll get him. Yeah. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that. There were, there were two things very misleading about that title. That's a, that's a Simpsons. Simpsons. I remember. Naked lunch. Yeah, that's right. Yes, good, good. You're good. talking to a, a, at least a mildly autistic man. <laughs> <laughs> at the very least. 
Oi. So apparently the novel of this shit was cynical. Apparently it was a cynical novel. Have you heard about this? Uh, cynical how? Oh, because it's, uh, yeah, so it's, it's Eric Garcia. He's got a thing coming out very soon for Netflix called Jigsaw. Have you heard about that? No. Is it anything it's to a- do with the soul? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it should be. But that would be good if it is like a back. <laughs> Clearly, he's using our, like a, uh, yeah, our man Thor yes. trick. <laughs> like, this is Saw 10, but it's actually about a group of people carrying out a heist. <laughs> it's a, what this is, is um, it's a non linear Netflix heist show. It's set over 25 years, it's eight episodes, but it's designed in a way that you can watch them in any order. And I think it is multiple uh, country. I know, I know. It's very gimmicky. But that's, like this. Tell me the order to watch it in. I know. Tell me what to do. It's got um, it's got all what's his name in it. Uh, Gus, Gus, the chicken man from Breaking Bad. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Gus Frain. Yes, that's good. <laughs> He's got <laughs> Gus Fring from off of Breaking Bad, the famous. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito. There you go. That's his name. Uh, yes. So that's this is what this guy Eric Garcia has been up to. Is throughout most of his throughout most of his career, I think he's been just working in, in film and TV. He's yeah. one of those guys who can do the film and TV and the book thing at the same time. But I'm guessing his books are not regai- not regarded super highly. What like were you S. saying Craig about this? That it's, mm, something like that. Well, apparently one of the uh, the um, criticisms level at the film was this has a kind of a more jingly jangly optimistic um, air to it. And the, the book is much more cynical. The ending of this film is very positive. It has a good I mean, yes. the overall outlook is that Nicolas Cage throughout the entire film, he's suffering from his OCD and anxiety mm. and uh, et cetera. Tourette's but it's not outburst real. that he has. It's all well, <laughs> it is real. It's just mental. It's he's just suffering, you know, but it's psychosomatic or something you you want to say i mean it's a, but eventually he's no oh, I, I wanted to say not real <laughs> not real okay fine fair enough it's not real none of these things are real much <laughs> like covid it's not real but then it's all a dream he's all he's <laughs> he's struggling because of we can assume because he's because you know he's 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 having problems with the morality of what he's doing of working as a con man Yes. And then Sam Rockwell and Alison Lohman work together and essentially free him from what's been trapping him. He ends up yes. finally talking to the lady at the supermarket that he's been eyeing up the entire time. And at the end of the film, we see that they're together and she's pregnant. He's been haunted his entire life about you not not having a child. Not showing up as a dad because he thinks yeah. he might have a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. I don't know if he's haunted throughout his life, but he's certainly been haunted throughout the film that we see. But then you have to assume that at some point something has been weighing on his mind for years and years and years. And maybe it's just this, the con artistry that he's doing. Is, what would is your having... main issue be with this? I just didn't care enough. I, this is why I wondered, I wanted to ask you like how effective you thought it was like setting up the plot. Because for me watching it, I already knew. Mm. I, I knew the plot, obviously, this time watching it for a second time. And I was well, just... The second... I was I was just watching it kind of piecing together going like okay I was trying to view it through the lens of like how well does it how well does it hide or reveal the aspects of the con or the fact that it is a con well they in my opinion it hides it well I mean the second he ends up in that hospital bed you know it's a con you just do right. that. like I would be surprised if anybody's still guessing at that point um I suppose the the issue would be like you see the thing is i kind of i the film leans into the con so you're being conned as well and it does get a bit like you know rom-commy what's a rom-com when it's with your daughter i don't know like a, <laughs> no it's got a rom-com definitely okay it gets a bit definitely. yeah paternally uh, rom-com let's say yeah uh, family so- uh he's he's fine he's like hey i've got i'm reconnecting with my long lost daughter and mm. oh it's so funny we're making up for lost time like a and 20 so much- 23 24 year old allison loman wearing braces looking so like a 14 year old that when she ends up shooting that guy in his living room that like gives a real punch for me, anyway, when so I was you do actually it. believe it. Yeah, I, I was trying at, to remember. Point, yeah, yeah. I, it's such a long time since I watched this. I watched it around yeah. when it came out. But yeah, 
I, I definitely yeah. think I was sold on the con. The main the the main issue that I would have with well, obviously there's one thing. I mean, it is just too long. Sorry, it's just such a fucking boring criticism. How long is it? Is but, it two hours? Yeah, it's two hours, and it's like yeah, it's it's just it's like it, it like I suppose it might be on account of the sort of films that Ridley Scott is more used to shooting. Maybe that's it that it's given so, but it could just be so much tighter. Like, um, but. Like that is fine. I mean, it's a boring old criticism to make. The main issue for me is, is this flicks between in tone as well as in the demeanor of the actor I'm about to talk to the talk about the perfect vehicle for Nick Cage and something that Nick Cage just is not able to do. Do you think he's was miscast? I wouldn't say that. I'm just saying that I don't think it's it's him and it's her and it's also a little bit the dialogue but the parts that are supposed to be big emotional beats fall flat for me and it doesn't matter that they're supposed to be part of like a con or anything like you know when he goes to you know when he goes to uh, the door of his ex-wife and he yeah. finds out that he never have a daughter like mm-hmm. that just who gives a fuck quite frankly and it, it could really be I saw that but still I thought that worked okay for me Mm, not for me i have to say i just think Mm. cage because the thing is like when cage is like doing the crazy cage thing in this it's good like he's really good at it Um, yeah he's good at the kind of over the top uh suffering from mental illness have you ever been dragged to a sideboard and beaten (laughs) till you've passed blood like you know but that's a different kind of film it's like for me so so i i i feel that throws the balance off a little bit besides that as a story uh, and as a concept, I actually thought it it works quite well as the kind of, you know, the uh, amoral con man gets conned into becoming a moral dude and gets to settle mm. down at last and forgive himself. I actually quite like that. I thought Sam Rockwell was fucking perfectly cast. I thought the big scary guy that ends up getting shot, but not really, was perfectly cast. I thought she was pretty good too. It's just the kind of emotional beats I could, like, weren't didn't quite follow through enough for me with Cage. It's just and like it, a B-level film, though. I don't. It's like, it's just a, a little genre film that's not mm. attempting any... I think it does exactly... I think it successfully achieves what it's saying out to do. I just don't think it's aiming any higher than a 7 out of 10. Just huh, like a, yeah. perfect, a perfectly adequate little con drama thing. Hmm. It's just it has such low expectations and aspirations of thinking in Ridley Scott's filmography. This came after Black Hawk Down and before Kingdom of Heaven. And think oh. about what think about what both of those films required compared to what this required. This was just like, ah, yeah, we'll just we'll stay in wow, L.A. and actually, we'll just have a that little speaks volumes. Yeah. That, like because the, the, the technical challenges with both of those films are mm. insane. Absolutely. So this is just one of those. It's one of the one of those films on his filmography that's like, yeah, I'll just, you know, like I can go back to the house <laughs> the weekends. <laughs> I can just chill out and then, yeah, I'll go and shoot Nicolas Cage shouting at people for a bit. Yeah, and that'll be fine. I mean, that's it. You've actually put the nail on the head there. That's what it is. It's just nothing more than that. It's just a perfectly acceptable little genre film. Like it's just nothing. It's not attempting to but, do anything else. But right. Oh, so but here's. Is, is what I would... And also, I don't back. know, like, things that they make like this now will be made for Netflix or Amazon. I don't... It might. It's mm. going to be way more difficult to get something like this made in the studio system because who's it even for anymore? Like, these are the type of films that will just end up on streaming of a lower quality yeah. than this with a lower budget. Uh, what I would tennis ball back to you on that is if you, like, okay, take the, take the, gen- the, the plot of something like... You were never really here is a very good example, right? That's about uh, you know this guy who rescue rescues uh, girls from pedophiles, and he's wrestling with his own sort of past. Now it's just elevated to greatness by fucking Lynn Ramsey and Joaquin Phoenix. You know what I mean? It's just kind of a pulpy genre story outside of that, I would say. And I would just say, I suppose for Rid- Ridley Scott's sensibilities, this might be a little bit mismatched. But I do think the material and the story could be, you know, better. Yeah, better. some of the cutting, like some of the cutting and the the effects that were used, it looked a lot more Tony Scott than Ridley Scott in places. It was yes, heavily stylized, totally. especially in the Absolutely. first half hour. 
Absolutely. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're comparing Lynn Ramsey, obviously Ridley Scott has done great things, but Lynn mm. Ramsey's like a, a visual artist. Yeah. So I feel like she could bring that to pretty much anything. Yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, what I'm saying, you, you were saying that this is just a run of the mill, whatever, and it ended up. So you, if someone like, else had done it, it could have been something else. Yeah, maybe. I, I say in the right in the right pair of hands, there's a you know enough potency in the story. I would say to do it differently. Oh, even though only no, if like Nicholas Cage had gone around bashing people's heads and bashing pedophiles' heads in with a hammer. I'm up for at it. That I'm point, totally up yeah. for it. Wouldn't you like to see, uh, like, like, yeah. Forget about Lynn Ramsey, just Nicolas Cage as directed by, I don't know, some... Gordon Ramsey, yes. Gordon Ramsey, yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, in perfect, his debut film. let's do that. There you go, I'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. I presume you've done cast on this, so let's yeah, all start kinds by of stuff. Saying... But let me just say, first of all, that the budget what? on this film was $62 million. Oh, my God. You that's see, there you go. That's, that's, that's like that's Hollywood accounting, isn't it? There's no way the budget on this is $62 million. That's mad. That... That's too much money for this story. That is yes. a, that would that is would be offensive. Better. How much money but, that is? But I mean, like, think about like something like okay, you know, in Pulp Fiction, where Bull, where um, uh, Butch goes to get his father's watch back, and he's just walking through these neighborhoods, and they're real fucking neighborhoods. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? it has that vibe. This, yeah, <laughs> this is shot one, in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I'm but no, I'm actually saying differently i'm saying if they probably closed off streets for shit like this if they had just shot this on the fly slightly it would have looked better you know i don't know they they even did close off streets i guess they did for the parts where he's sitting in the car outside the like outside the park but i'm not sure um spielberg turned this down to do catch me if you can good move i agree roger ebert gave it four stars and said yeah, it's so silly. absorbing that whenever it cuts away from the plot, there is another better plot to cut to. Mm, don't know about that. He also Isn't recommended the plot? film for several Oscar nominations, most notably Nicolas Cage's performance in the film screenplay. I think Roger Emer might have been, you know... It was getting towards the end, maybe. Yeah, must have been, because that's just... No, I don't accept <clears> that, Roger. Sorry. Me neither. Okay, moving into the cast, I've got quite a lot of information for the main three... How much leads. does Nicolas Cage work? A lot. It's insane, this, uh, right? This came the year after Adaptation, and uh, he brought some of the same energy. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I'd say he goes a little too far at times, sometimes in this film. But it's very fun and watchable, but I feel like there's some nuance missing. Maybe that's kind of what you're describing of why it doesn't mm. have the emotional impact that it maybe should from time to time. But... He said he started acting because he wanted to be James Dean. I saw him in Rebel Without a Cause, East of Eden. Nothing affected me. No rock song, no classical music. The way Dean affected me in Eden. It blew my mind. I was like, that's what I want to do. I was like, that's what I want to do. That's good. In February 2011, Cage said that at a certain point in his career, he realized that he had developed his own method of acting, which he described (laughs) as nouveau shamanic. Nice. For the film Birdie, in order to physically feel the pain of his character, a veteran from the Vietnam War, Cage removed two teeth without any anesthesia. He also spent five weeks with his face wrapped in bandages, receiving brutal reactions by various people for his aspect. When he took the bandages off, his skin was infected because of acne and ingrowing hairs. Oh my God. <laughs> Vampire's Kiss acting, uh, sorry, Vampire's Kiss uh, casting director Marcia Schulman declared that Cage asked to have hot yogurt poured over his toes to get excited <laughs> during his love scene with Jennifer Beals. <laughs> oh, that's got to be a me too, right? That is. That's, uh, that's, that's not good. That's not good. Actor Ethan Hawke stated in 2013 that Cage is the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art, crediting him for taking film audiences away from an obsession with naturalism into a kind of presentation style of acting that I imagine was popular with the old troubadours. Hmm. I mean, that's a fair point, I, I feel, uh, because the way I feel about, like, I, I've, it's just such a, you know, cool people who don't actually watch movies properly think to say that Nicolas Cage is shit. But when, when you know 
he's always firing and occasionally he hits and he he's always going for it and when he does hit i find it kind of glorious here's this this last part yeah kind of speaks to that which is Many critics have accused Cage of overacting. Others, including Cage himself, have described his intentionally extreme performances as mega acting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so there you go. He's not an overactor. He's a mega actor. Can you think of a Nicolas Cage performance that was quite so over the top that you enjoyed? Enjoyable for how insane it is. I mean, he's been doing that a lot Maybe. in recent years. I mean, that's what's been yeah. going on in the last uh, things I haven't really watched, like that pig thing and... Uh, I haven't seen that either. I want yeah, to, I, have, I haven't seen all of the the ones that have been kind of sold as insane things. I mean, you've got a picture behind you at the moment on the screen of uh, that Wicker, Man, Wicker Man film. That's great fun just to go and watch the like YouTube YouTube highlight reel of some of the insane things that he says and does in that film, including the the not the bees. Not Killing the bees. me won't bring back your goddamn honey. Yes. That's a very, Excellent. a very, very strange film. But think about it. Like, I mean, he won his Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. Adaptation. That's too much was, for me. Ad, like adaptation. He was so reined in and so focused, like just, yeah, just kind of working at, at, at his peak, just showing what he could be. Yeah. With the good script and good guidance. Like he can be, he can, he can be weaponized and used well. What do you think of him in um, uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans? That's, see, that's a lot of fun as well. But it's, yeah. that's where mega acting fits. That's nice for Werner Herzog. That's, that's, that's a, again, is like a useful tool to have a big mega actor in there. <laughs> I'm going to refer to him as a mega actor for now. For sure. Let's do it. Okay, next to the leads. is sublime. Next to the leads is old Sammy Rockwell as Frank Mercer. Uh, I liked, I mean, this is like a classic Sam Rockwell performance, funny, energetic, like this is using his talents to the best. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of a mix of his characters from heist and, uh, the way, way back a little bit. So you've got his like con man, but he's fun. He's a fun con man. Well, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I like, I really like Sam Rockwell as a presence, but he well, he's more or less doing the same thing most of the time, isn't he? Yeah, he's. This seems reasonably close to who he is. Mm. Uh, my favorite Sam Rockwell related video. I'll put in the show notes. It's a sketch from um, Rob Corddry and Seth Herzog uh, talking about meeting Sam Rockwell and him being a dick. It's very funny. It's from like, it- Sundance years ago. Is it true? Is it a true story? Like it's, uh, it's. Let's just say I don't know spoilers, but it's a comedy sketch. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's a comedy sketch, but I'll put it in the show notes. It's worth watching. But yeah, I, I love. I, I mean, what's not to like with Sam Rockwell? He plays this character perfectly. This was. I mean, this felt like this was when he was just really coming up and getting a yeah. lot of roles like this. And I mean, yeah, he hadn't quite arrived yet, but. His star was beginning to shine for sure. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Last lead, we've got Alison Lohman as Angela. This was a big she's, role for her. She's retired now, isn't she? She's retired. She's married to Mark Neville Dean of Neville Dean and Taylor. Oh, uh, they're the fame, the, question mark. The, cra- the crank guys. The crank guys. She's married to one yes. of the crank guys. She still pops up from time to time in his in her husband's projects. But yes, yeah, ostensibly she's retired to look after her kids. Um yeah, she's good in this. I mean, she captures that teenage innocence considering she was like in her early 20s at the time of filming. Uh, she definitely passes for a teenage girl. She's also, I mean, she's good in Drag Me to Hell that we've mentioned multiple times on the podcast before. Yeah, great she, film. She didn't end up really doing a huge amount after that. After She chose to retire after Drag Me to Hell, which was like 2009. So that was the end for her. Oh. Okay, I've got three supporting cast mem- members. Bruce Altman as Dr. Harris Klein, the, oh, yeah. Yeah, the, sure, sure. Uh, the psychologist or psychotherapist. The not psychologist. Yeah, the fake guy. I always remember him from Glengarry Glen Ross. He's the guy who kicks Shelley out of his house. Is that him? Yeah. I remember. I can't remember what I remember him from, but I remember him. He's from got a very recognizable listen. face. He's got one of those does, faces. Yeah. You've seen him around a lot. The big I mean, guy good that. for him. The big guy that you referred to is Bruce McGill playing Chuck Frechette. Uh, he's good. Yeah, he's a real Texan. I think of him from his Michael Mann roles. He's in Ali, Collateral, The Insider. 
I've never actually watched Ali. Is it worth watching? Uh, it again, it feels just perfectly fine, just like mm. completely adequate. But just it the was idea all, of watching that never appealed to me. Yeah, I think you made the right choice. It was just a. It was a bit. It just always falls flat. I what? would just Michael really Mann doing to... directing a, a an Ali biopic like it just does. Starring it, it Will Smith, I think, me. is the biggest problem. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, Will probably, Smith just didn't work there. He's too big for it, isn't he? Not physically, Bruce, but just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bruce anyway. McGill is uh, he's a real Texan. In uh, twenty six in the twenty sixteen U.S. U.S. election, McGill narrated several commercials for Donald Trump during his campaign. Nice. Pro- probably the least surprising trivia ever. Because <laughs> he is, uh, he's always playing like Southern gentleman in literally mm. every film. He's just playing a Texan man. Uh, finally, we've got Sheila Kelly as Kathy. Uh, she is the uh, supermarket worker lady. In real life, she's married to Richard Schiff. Who's that? I know who that is, but I don't. Yeah, Toby Who's Ziegler from The West Wing. Oh, yeah, of course. So there you she's go. She's married to Toby Ziegler. Yeah. Good for you, Toby. Right. He's doing all right. Good for him. From this lady from 18 years ago. It's all good. Well done. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Finally, the cameos. Got Beth Grant as the laundry lady who they run the little con on. Mm-hmm. I always think what of her I- as Kitty from Donnie Darko. That's exactly one who-, who she is. Yeah. Yeah. She's heavily Fear invested in spark- sparkle motion. <laughs> Yes, and she's teaching the Richard, the, the Patrick Swayze cult yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Melora Walters as Heather, Roy's ex-wife. She's Claudia from Magnolia. Mm-hmm. She's been in a few Paul Thomas Anderson films. Has she? <clears throat> yeah, she's been in a few things. She was in The Master. Uh, I can't remember what else. She's in a few other things. Finally, the slacker boyfriend at the end, who's with Alison Lohman's character, that's Fran Kranz. Do you recognize him? Not at all. He's the stoner from Cabin in the Woods. Okay, been a been a while. It's, it's been, been a while for that one since, since I've seen Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I remember not being as blown away by that as everybody else was. Yeah, I remember being distinctly disappointed because everybody blew it the fuck up so much. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I've tried to go back and watch it. And after about the first half hour, I kind of usually tap out and go like, Yeah, 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 I've got it. I get it. Anyway, Frank Kranz, he directed a film, which I'm really looking forward to. It's called Mass. Is there anything nice. to be said for another Mass? <laughs> and it's actually about a school shooting. And from what I've read, it's the parents of the shooter and the parents of a victim sitting down, talking in a room for the entire film. And it was very well, it's been very well received so far. It sounds essentially just a play, basically, like filming yeah. a play. For and sure, yeah. uh, it's going to be available to stream on December 28th. So if you want to watch a film about a mass shooting, check out Mass oh. by Fran Kranz, the stoner from Cabin in the Woods, the slacker boyfriend from Matchstick Man. What I feel like I might do is cut that film apart and then put inserts of Gus Van Sant's elephant in the middle of it just to, you know, give it a bit of a punch. Yes. And also scenes of a, of a Catholic mass. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean... Nothing wrong with another mass. Shall we head into the plot? Let's do it. I'm going to fire through this plot. Do it. Roy Waller is a con artist residing in Los Angeles with severe Tourette syndrome and obsessive compulsive disorder. I guess his Tourette syndrome is mainly shown in uh, tics. He mm-hmm. has a lot of like um, physical tics. His obsessive I compulsive. I thought it was more OCD. Yeah. Well, it's like Tourette's and OCD though. He has all his OCD things, obviously, are the, the multiple locking the door and cleaning everything <laughs> all the time. There's a very, there's a, a, a like an odd OCD tick that he has when they're in that woman's house and she leaves the door open. And all of a sudden, Ridley Scott, because Ridley Scott doesn't like shooting conversations inside. So he sees the outside sunshine and he's like, oh, yeah, that's Ridley <laughs> Scott. That's Ridley Scott. Look at that sunshine. Ooh. Yeah, it's like blasting, blasting yeah. him with the, all of a sudden, the we're, full we're, power of the sun. We're in North Africa with Maximus Decimus Meridius again. I read a few things about the, about the film in terms of how well it uh, shows OCD and Tourette's and supposedly it's reasonably accurate. Okay, that's uh, good. Because wh- while watching it this time, I was like, is this okay? 
is this <laughs> like would they still do this nowadays so i checked up and uh, a sufferer said like yeah it's one of the more accurate depictions of uh, Tourette's and OCD. So there you go. Alongside his partner and protege, Frank Mercer, Roy operates a fake lottery selling overpriced water filtration systems to unsuspecting customers. After Roy experiences a violent panic attack, Frank suggests he see a psychiatrist, Dr. Harris Klein. Klein provides Roy with medication and in therapy has Roy recall his past relationship with Heather, his ex-wife who was pregnant during the time of the divorce. At Roy's behest, Klein informs Roy that he called Heather and found out that Roy has a 14-year-old daughter, Angela. Roy and Angela meet, and her youthful energy rejuvenates him. Yes, Hmm. that's a nice part of the film. I like that. Roy thus agrees to work with Frank on a long con. Their target is Chuck Frechette, an arrogant businessman whom their pair plans to con with the pigeon drop. That's in blue from that. That's like a link that you can click on a Wikipedia. So I guess it's a, a description the of the drop. pigeon drop. Are you familiar with that con? No. I'm guessing that it just means to switch briefcases. Switch briefcases. Yeah. yeah you sure. show them one thing and then you put it behind you and then you take out the shitty one that's got nothing in it. It's a classic con. It doesn't, that doesn't feel like a particularly sophisticated con reaching no. behind you and changing one briefcase for another. Have you ever heard about the man who sold the uh, who sold the Eiffel Tower? As a you mean as a con? I'm vaguely aware of yeah. it. Yeah, it's a pretty cool con. Um, he just got like loads of expats uh, in like industrious Americans in Paris. He got them together in a hotel room, uh, like in a conference, invited them specifically, and said, "Look, uh, we can't afford to maintain the Eiffel Tower, so we're going to sell it off. We're doing it in secret." And he literally did. He sold it more huge chunks of it. And he would have gotten away with it, too, if he didn't. And this is just silly, but it's true. He tried it again a few years later. That's he went back to that's what happened. Yeah, went back to Paris, returned to the scene of the crime and tried Damn. to do the exact same con. You need to sail off into the sunset. It's bad news. One night, Angela unexpectedly arrives at Roy's house, saying that she's had a fight with her mother and decides to stay for the weekend before returning to school. She explores his belongings and causes him to rethink his life, which he mentions during therapy with Klein. Angela returns home late one night, leading to an argument between the two. During dinner, Roy admits that he's a con artist and reluctantly agrees to teach Angela a con. The two of them go to a local laundromat and con an older woman into believing that she has won the lottery, and she shares half of her expected winnings with Angela. However, Roy then forces Angela to return the money. Mm-hmm. It, Angela, like so, Alison Lohman's character Angela is doing. If you think about it from the point of view of like the actual con that's happening to Roy in the film, like she's doing an insane amount of work in this con. Yeah, I mean, how much do they steal from him in the end? Because she has to like pretend to be his daughter, live in the house with him, go do all this shite. Like that's some crazy amount of work compared to what yeah. Sam Rockwell's doing. And when we see her at the end, she doesn't seem to be that. She's much not doing great. Off. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. she she suggests that Sam Rockwell has ripped her has ripped her off. Mm. So, but yeah, she's she doing her, the bulk what, of the work for she's sure. Doing an insane amount of work for the payoff. Roy Do you think Sam bo- Rockwell gro- groomed her beforehand? It, I assume there's some. I assume there's some of those elements. I I mm. just immediately assumed that Rockwell was shagging her. So nice. There you go. What? Roy goes bowling with Angela, but is interrupted when Frank reveals that Chuck's flight to the Caymans has been updated to that day instead of Friday as planned. With little time left, Roy reluctantly chooses to let Angela play the part of distracting Chuck midway through the con. However, after the con is finished, Chuck realizes what has happened and chases the two into a parking garage before they escape. Roy then learns that Angela was arrested a year earlier and asks that she stop calling him. She tells him cool. to, she te- he tells her to just go home. Without Angela, yeah. Roy's myriad phobias resurface. And during another panic attack, he ultimately learns that the medication given to him by Klein is a placebo. What was it? Blood! <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's a nice scene in the pharmacy where he's uh, freaking out. What was it again? It was like, uh, it was some kind of lady medication. Some, uh, yeah, it was something with estrogen, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I'll take some of that. Why not? Yeah, give it to me. Who knows what kind of powers that will give me. Intuition. Mm. Roy Roy proclaims that he needs Angela in his life, but that he would have to change his lifestyle. 
much to Frank's disappointment. Uh, Roy and Angela return from dinner one night to find Chuck waiting for them with a gun alongside a badly beaten Frank. Angela shoots Chuck and Roy sends her off with Frank into hiding until the matter can be sorted out. As Roy prepares to take care of Chuck's body, Chuck suddenly springs to life and knocks Roy unconscious. So at that point must be where, for the audience, even before the reveal in the hospital, surely when Chuck knocks Roy out, you must be, you must have some suspicions. Because no. the, wasn't when the, he wakes up in wasn't the gun wasn't the gun that Angela used uh, Roy's gun? Yeah. So there's already, I mean, that that's got to you got to be asking some questions at that point. Like, why is this guy that she well, shot? Well, it's all happening very fast. True, is, true, is true. Thing. So, but Royal, then when they're up at, when they're when they wake up in the hospital, it's just I've seen fake hospital beds. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, they're not even trying to sell it. Like they're trying to sell it in the most basic way possible. You can see as soon as he steps outside that it's not, you know, it's just a mm. shitty little thing at the top of a parking garage. So. Roy awakens in a hospital where the police inform him that Chuck died from the gunshot and Frank and Angela have disappeared. Klein appears and Roy gives him the password to his large safety deposit box, ordering him to give the money to Angela when she's found. Later, Roy awakens to find that the police in inverted commas have disappeared from his hospital room in inverted commas, Mm -hmm. which is actually a freight container on the roof of a parking garage. Dr. Klein's office is vacant. And his very substantial cash savings have been taken. As he begins to realize that Frank pulled a long con on him, Roy drives over to Heather's, whom he hasn't seen for years, looking for Angela. Roy learns the truth. Heather miscarried their child. There is no Angela. The young girl he thought was his child was actually Frank's accomplice. A con lady. There's not really a huge amount to this plot, considering that this is a con film. Mm-hmm. It's not complicated at all. It's a, quite a simplistic setup compared to, I don't know, your average con film. Well, I mean, are they ever that complicated? Maybe not. I mean, I was thinking, I was guess I was going more towards the Oceans films or something like that, or which mm. again, didn't make it onto either of our lists. But would that be a con film? Those are con films, sure. There's There's cons in it, yeah. The whole thing are caught. The whole setups are cons. Mm. It's the whole point is to like con someone. That the heist always always takes the form of a con. Yeah, that's true. I suppose heist is different than heist is stick them up. Heist is like stealing, but not through conning, right? Mm. So heat is more of a heist movie. Yeah, heat is a heist movie, definitely. I think I prefer heist movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, as revealed in the, in the DVD director's commentary, Roy, Frank, Angela, and Fritchie all smoke at some point in the film. This is a clue added by the filmmakers to indicate that the people who smoke in the film are con men. <laughs> Smoking's bad, kids. Hey. And you I know mean, what? Ha- You're only conning yourself. Yes, they are. Mm. A long con. Long con to a shorter life. There you go. So think about that next time you got one of those cancer sticks in your mouth. One year later, that's just an aside. That's not actually in the Wikipedia plot synopsis, I should add. One year later, Roy has become a salesman at a local carpet store, living the dream, which Angela and her boyfriend one day wander into. Roy confronts Angela, who is much older than he had thought, but ultimately forgives her, realizing that he is much happier as an honest man. Angela reveals that she did not receive her fair share of the cut from Frank. And it was the only con she ever pulled. I don't believe her. Angela says, I'll see you, dad. When she and her boyfriend depart, Roy returns home to his new wife, Kathy, who's pregnant with a real human child. Nice. Well done. And she looks really homely and nice. Oh, yeah. Although the major con at the end of the movie is in the novel, it was left out of the first drafts of the screenplay for fear that audiences would feel cheated if their hero was left penniless. At the suggestion of director Ridley Scott, however, the calm was put back into the screenplay and the last one year later sequence was added as a wrap up. Hmm. I so like that's... the penniless. And I like the way, I mean, it ends really hopefully for Roy. If anything, he's I cured. actually quite like the ending. It's, uh, a, it's a, such a positive ending. It reinvested me slightly in the story. I was happy to see the ending. I thought I, I liked it. Uh, that, he so doesn't that need scene, that money. That little scene isn't in, the, is, isn't in the novel at all. No, so that's what you were saying, that the novel had a more... 
cynical ending. That's the criticism yeah. I read. Yeah. So, well, because he's, he's left penniless. Mm. No, that would be a more cynical ending for sure. Yeah. But I mean, so maybe he's left without the lady at the end of the novel. No lady, no money, no money, no, no. problems. No, oh, no, just, or just that we no don't woman, get, no we don't get any kind of, there's, it doesn't tie up the Angela story, I'm guessing. I mean, it, in a way, it would be better, like, from a story perspective, in some ways, if he never saw Angela or Frank ever again. Like, he just got ripped off and that's it. Yeah. That would be incredibly cynical, but that, in some ways, I would also like that if that was it, that he just, he lost everything a- and then just never saw, he never, ever heard from them ever again. That's a different film. Uh, that's, that's the yeah. one where you get Joaquin Phoenix and Lynn, Lynn Ramsey. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Not Sir Ritters of Scotters. All right. So fuck this. Not watching Matchstick Men again. Glad I Never did. again. It's done. Yurt. It's finished. All right. Fucking aliens. Yeah. So the criteria for the next time around, I said it had to be something involving aliens in some form. You go first. Okay. I'm going. I've. Yeah. I should have definitely watched this by now, but I have not. Robert Zemeckis's Contact. Oh, what? Well, I can't believe you haven't seen Contact. Okay. I've not seen Contact. It's it I like it. so up my street. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, it may have aged poorly is the only concern, but I think you'll be surprised by it. And uh, it's a it's a really good film. I enjoy it. I would be happy to watch that again. What have you got? Well, I think I may have put this up for a toss in the past. I'm not sure, but uh, I went for something starring old uh, Sammy Rockwell's. I went for 1999's Galaxy Quest. Oh, I've really want to watch that also i've never uh, seen that yeah i've never seen it so uh, oh that's good got it. i kind of happy you to win. watch it okay well I'll, i don't mind either way they're both good all right I've, i have a coin go for it it's a 20 pence coin it's a british coin so i can say heads or tails uh give me the tails fuck it we'll do that again uh do you know what? i'm gonna do that a third time because i caught it in the middle of my fingers i didn't catch it this is difficult i don't have enough light here folks Okay, it's heads. All right. Wow. That's breaking a, a, a long uh, winning streak for me, if that's what you can call it. Cool. Yeah. Fucking Galaxy, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest it is. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Awesome. Should be interesting. So what's the criteria for next time? The criteria for next time is going to be a movie directed by an actor. Who star- who star- whether or not they're starring in the movie is irrelevant to me. So do you mean someone who's primarily known as an actor? Yes. Yeah, okay, rather than being a director who sometimes acts. Exactly. Okay, okay. Fine. We'll do it. All right. Cool okay. beans. Let's Great. fucking... Good. Let's All do right. it. Well, let's never speak of Magic Man ever again. No, fucking up yours, Ridley Scott. Retire yeah. already, you bum. No, I'm only joking. I'm really looking last forward to Last year was great. Last <laughs> I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House of I Gucci, actually, haven't seen it. If you're listening, Ridley it. Scott, I actually love some of your movies. Like, really love. <laughs> I've got Can a- I just shock you? I actually quite like some of your films, Ridley Scott, given that they are good. And you look at his like he has done such a a wide range of stuff. Like the mm-hmm. genre, the 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 range of genres is is crazy. I mean, he's up I don't there. Think with- a bum film bothers him. He's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, he kept <laughs> going. Next? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He kept going. All okay. right, fuck it. Up yours. Up yours. And I'm headed out west, 